Anyway, if you have your Bibles, please join me in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. These are uh, pretty familiar verses, or at least uh, should be familiar verses. In this series, we've looked at uh, faith as a foundation, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So salvation is apart from works because Christ did the work for us. Then we looked at uh, uh, later in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. We looked at prayer and faith. Prayer is an integral part of our faith. Prayed for strength in the inner being that Christ may be home in our hearts. Last week we looked at 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 8, talked about seven virtues. Those seven virtues were virtue, which was courage, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly love, and then of course love. Paul wrote in a letter to the Corinthians, faith, love, and hope remain, and the greatest of these is love. So today I want to talk about something that is equally important, and that is finding joy in the midst of trials, finding joy in the midst of pain, finding joy in the midst of difficult circumstances, finding joy when joy cannot be found. It's very difficult, very tough. This is written by James uh, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, probably 45 to 50 A.D. Uh, mostly it was a Jewish audience. And when you read James, uh, it has an Old Testament flavor to it. Now, James is wrongly uh, thought of, and even Martin Luther, the great Reformed theologian, called it a right strawry epistle, which means he didn't fully understand the magnitude of what James was saying. James was not saying faith plus works equals salvation. And there's many in the Arminian view of Scripture that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life in pencil and it can easily be erased. That's not what James is saying. James was saying a working faith. Um, and if you look at, uh, for example, James 2.18 you may say you have faith, but I have works. And so I will show you my faith by my works. The issue here is that when you've trusted in Jesus Christ, and Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Salvation can never be stagnant. Salvation is active. It is ongoing. It is growing in our walk and our understanding of God. And one of the things that really test us is trials. Finding joy in the midst of trials and hardships and difficulties. So let's look at this. We're to face trials with joy. James 1, 2. And we'll focus first on our attitude. First of all, James says, count it all joy. Hageomai, which means to get a, this word count, hageomai, means to get a perspective. Count not like one, two, three, four, 
but count in the sense of we've got to get a right perspective when it comes to what is following after count it all joy. I don't know, this is a famous picture. How many of you, just by a quick look, see a, a young lady? How many of you see an old, older lady? Oh, come on. You guys saw that. You know where the older lady is. The older lady's there. It's a, it's a perspective. It is a way of viewing life. Many times we come to the table, and the first thing that happens to us is, oh, no, what is God allowing this to happen? Why is God allowing this to happen? What is he doing? Doesn't he know that I follow him and, and my life should be joyful all the time and I should never have any problems and heartaches and circumstances? Well, that is not the Christian life. In fact, all those who seek to live godly lives will be persecuted. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That is, difficulties come. So as we live our Christian lives, we have this in front of us, and we can look at it and say, I'm going to keep my joy in spite of this. And that, that can become problematic. The word here for all is pas. That's what it is in the Greek. And that means every situation in life. That means our perspective in every situation in life must be joy. Doesn't matter what's going on. It's easy for us to be happy when things are going good. And it's difficult for us to be happy when things are going bad. But James says here, count it all joy. Kara, which means gladness or great happiness. Now it, it is it's, it is at times difficult uh, for us to find joy in the difficult situ situations and circumstances of life. Kurt Richardson writes in his commentary, James encouraged them to embrace their trials, not for what they were, but for what God could accomplish through them, and in so doing, they would keep their joy. Now, that's a different perspective, and uh, Dr. Kurt Richardson is correct. That the first thing, when a trial comes our way, the first thing that we should be focused on is not the trial itself, not the difficulty, not the hardship. The first thing that we should focus on is what is God doing, or what is he trying to teach me through this circumstance? Again, I realize that's very difficult. But one thing we need to focus on, and I think this is important and why I put big on my notes, that we need to stop looking at the negative side of trials. We need to dispense with that. We need to get rid of that. Uh, and it's easiest for us to do. We all fall into it. I've done it. You've done it. Let's be honest here. But the first thing we need to do is remove the negativity associated with the trials. Think of it this way. You know who wants you to lose your joy more than anybody in the world? Satan. Satan wants to rob you of your joy. And if this little trial comes my way, knowing that the God of the universe created this universe, can get me out of the situation or speak to me in the situation, then I'm going to keep my joy. 
I'm going to keep my joy because I know my God is bigger than the trial or the circumstance in which I find myself. Satan wants you to be miserable and unhappy in your Christian walk. Because if he does that, and he is successful in causing you to lose your joy, the next thing is you start questioning the goodness of God. And we can't get to that point in our Christian walk. So we need to start removing the negative. It sounds like an old song, removing the negative, accentuate the positive. Uh, I, uh, I even, I don't know, I've been taking a 1970s trip or something, but uh, B.J. Thomas, which is so often quoted from this pulpit, wrote this, raindrops are falling on my head. Y'all remember that one? Just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed, nothing seems to fit. Those raindrops, they keep falling on my head. So I just did me some talking to the sun. And I said, I didn't like the way he's getting things done. Sleeping on the job. Those raindrops keep falling on my head, they keep falling. But there's one thing I know. The blues they send to meet me won't defeat me. It won't be long till happiness steps up to greet me. Listen, I actually like that song. I was going to sing it for you, but that's probably not going to. Trials, mark this, trials are temporary. For the most part. Trials are temporary. And I just get the idea that if Satan can get in our mind that this is happening because of what God did, then the issue becomes in our own walk, God doesn't love me. God doesn't like me. God is messing with me. And, and so James says here, look, we have to rejoice knowing this perspective, we need to rejoice knowing that God is at work in our lives. Now, this is when you should really be depressed. If you are an unbeliever outside of Christ and you come into trials, you have nothing to cling to. You have no hope of any joy moving forward. And so when we encounter trials, we can then turn, turn the narrative and say, wait a minute, this trial is in my life. And sometimes those trials are self-made. And sometimes God's wanting to do something by the trial that we are in, in front of us. So just do yourself some talking to the Son, Jesus. King David, he always, at times, God, why are you allowing this? But also, David said, make me a man after your own heart. So facing trials it begins with an attitude adjustment. And it begins by changing the perspective by which we are engaging those trials. And so it, 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 it happens every day. We have this opportunity every day to look at what's going on in our lives and stand back and go, wait a minute. This trial right here, I want to know what God is talking to me about. 
Sometimes if you get yourself in trouble, maybe God's saying, look, you shouldn't do this. That's one possible. But we keep our joy in the midst of that. The kara, we keep that joy. Now, the reality sets in when he writes this. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Not if, and it's very clear in the Greek language, it's not if you encounter trials. It's not the possibility that you will encounter trials. But the reality is, you will encounter trials. I will encounter trials. All of us will encounter trials in our lives. That's not the question. The issue here is that we will encounter trials. Peripito. Peripito means to experience or to run into something. Um, and get technical with you here for a minute. It's a verb in an aorist tense. And what that means in the Greek is it is a snapshot of time. It's, well, it's like when you take a selfie, right? It's a snapshot in time. Get these things they come up, memories from 10 years ago. And I look at it and I go, oh my gosh, I had more hair, right? It's a snapshot in time. It's a moment in, in time. So he's saying, look, when you meet these trials in your life, and it's a snapshot, and by the way, I know we get into a trial and we think it's never gonna end. The Christian life is lived in three realms. You're either going into a trial, you're in a trial, or you're coming out of a trial. That's the reality of the situation. And that's why James gives them a wake-up cause. Not if you're going to meet them, you will meet them. And now the real issue is, and by, by the way, this is, this is kind of what it looks like. It means to fall into something. When you meet it, you fall into it. Back in the day... Uh, Early on, uh, when I was at the uh, 8th Infantry Division, a mechanized uh, infantry division, they issued us night vision goggles. This was back in the formative years. The problem with night vision goggles back then when we did it, there was no depth perception to it. So you could be walking along and you would fall into a ditch. So you kind of do stuff like this to look. And when those trials come and they pop up, it is like we have fallen into a hole. And then the question becomes, what is our perspective going to be? One pastor said, all sun and no rain makes a desert. And the reality is we are going to encounter trials in our lives. Perosmos is the word for trials. So you're, you're meeting these trials. You're falling into them. They are, if you will, my goodness, 45 on 45 up near you go through Savoy. Uh, and then, then you go into Champagne. Uh, a couple of months ago, they were painting stripes and I go why paint stripes these this road is full of potholes 
right? So that's what happens when we live our Christian lives. We want everything perfect. And you can't have everything purpose, perfect. Trials, parosmos, listen to this, this is important. So we've talked about counting it all joy, get a right perspective, not going to allow Satan to take my joy in the midst of this trial. And I'm going to meet them. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. I'm going to meet them. This word trials refers to a test. God never tempts, but he does test. To examine or learn, I'm just reading right from the Greek language, to test something, to examine, or to learn the true nature of a thing. Well, true nature of what, Pastor Mike? True nature of where your faith is in God. And my faith in God. <clears throat> Look at this young lady. She's taking a test. She's so happy. That's what we want when we're being tested or not tested at all. This is the reality. I bet you everybody in here, and myself included, when we go into a trial, we lose our joy. Right? Because we don't like it. It doesn't mean you can't mourn. I, I, I think about people here that have passed, and it makes me sad, but the joy is still there. It doesn't mean that we won't cry when we lose somebody. It doesn't mean that we won't have feelings towards something. But ultimately, there needs to be this, I know that my Redeemer lives mindset. Where I will say, wait a minute, no matter what may befall me, I am not going to allow the trial or the circumstance or the situation to rob me of my joy where I walk around and I spend my life in misery my whole life. I'm not going to do that. And we've got to elevate our game, if you will, with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to say, look, wait a minute. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I'm not going to lose my joy knowing full well that God is examining your faith. Job is a very classic example. Job lost everything. Friends turned against him. And yet at the end of the book, God replaced everything back and more. These trials are various kinds of trials. Oh, boy. This word is wide open. Poikilos. And that means multicolored and diverse kinds of trials. Let me, let me give us a little picture here. Uh, and what I'm getting ready to show you, can, you can add many more categories to it. But... Um, 
there are about four types of trials that you will face. Some trials are physical uh, and can be taxing. We have a good friend in Texas who is in a nursing home. Physical trial. Uh, maybe you have some disease or uh, you have some issue going on in your life physically. That is a definite trial. And I, I'll, I'll tell you this, as, as I've gotten older, some, some of those times I wake up, I, you know, it, it, it kind of hurts. I used to think when I was young that I'm going to be young forever. There's also emotional trials. Thinking off the top of my head, the loss of a loved one. Or some type of an emotional event that happened in your life, that would be a trial. Then there's what I call circumstance trials. And sometimes, I want you to understand, sometimes we blame God when it's our own fault. We make stupid decisions, we make bad decisions, and then we're in the midst of a trial. Even then, we're supposed to be joyful to say, God, you know what? I blew this. But I'm not going to lose my joy. Could be something going on at school, it could be something going on at work, uh, any circumstance. And I default back to that time that I had a, a bad section chief and a bad lieutenant. And the situation got bad. And I was younger then. I was much younger, early 20s, 23, 24. Hadn't experienced life all that much. And I wasn't too happy. I woke up miserable. I went to bed miserable. And I wish some pastor would have preached this sermon for me so that I could have lived it during that period. Circumstances, God has a purpose. You have to understand anything, any, anything, pos, anything that comes against you, comes against me, God knows about. And that God is going to do something from that trial or that circumstance that you're going through. If you don't believe that, then you've misunderstood the God that you worship. Listen, God cares about every aspect of your life. He cares about it. And therefore, the way that you grow is through the trials that we fall into. And then there's spiritual trials. These are the most difficult ones. God, where are you? That's a spiritual trial. Because if you open your Bible and you read it, you know God's with you. He's never apart from you. He goes with you through the storms. And don't you know that Satan's going, yeah, yeah, questioning God. I love it. And yet, and sometimes spiritual trials can just be deserts. There's times in my life and yours when we go through these spiritual trials but we have to realize that trials are temporal. And by the way, the Greek plays that out. It's when you fall in to various trials that there's a reason why those trials are put there. That's the big thing. That's the big overarching theme I want you to get from this sermon today is that trials are temporal 
and that God has a purpose for those trials, and that when you come out of that trial, and I guarantee you, you will. Now, I don't know of any of us that sit back and go, God, send some trials. How many of you have prayed that this, this week? I didn't either, to be perfectly honest. But the response in the midst of the trial, listen to this, and I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that in the next segment of the sermon. So these are different types of trials, physical trials, and those physical trials can be difficult. I totally get that. Emotional trials, circumstantial trials, and spiritual trials. So we have to face trials. We've got to watch our attitude, and we've got to get in the mindset that these trials are going to come. We can't stop them, and we like to try to sidestep them or, or go around them. But at the some point, this is what I've learned in my brief Christian life. I can't remember, 40-something years now is if I try to get around the trial, guess what? I'm going to run right back into it. Because the trials have a purpose in God's economy. Your faith was never meant to be stagnant. Your faith was never meant to just, I'm saved. And I get to go home and, oh, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to grow. I'm just, no, 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 no. You always got to be growing and God is always at work in your life. If I didn't believe that, I'd, I'd just go next door. So we got to get this mindset. Now, the purpose of trials, that we face trials with joy. Because we know God's going to do something and we know he is doing something. But this is the ultimate purpose, I think of trials, for they produce endurance. And we look at testing. For you know, gnosko, classic Greek word, means to have knowledge of something, not a book knowledge. This particular gnosko is not a book knowledge. I can teach anyone the sermon process. In fact, when I was in Bible college, I immersed myself in the sermon process. How you get to the HOT, the heart of the text or the heart of the text, how to do all that. But then the day came in class when Dr. Windsor assigned each student a time when they had to get up in front of the class and preach. Oh, the sermon looks really good on paper. But then I got to preach it. And that day I got up in class, I was like, nervous. That's experiential knowledge. That's knowledge by doing. You can sit and read a book. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. And then play it over here is a little different issue. Experiential knowledge means that you are going through something. So here you have book knowledge, which is important. I totally get that. We read the Bible. But then there's knowledge that we have as we go through the storms. For you know, you know this, 
I don't have to tell you this. Listen to what James says. For you know, you guys and gals out there and those watching by YouTube, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Dokimano. Dokimano. Testing. Guess what? Same word that James used in the previous verse. A jeweler. He can tell a fraud from a genuine diamond by looking at the diamond. The trials that God sends is an examination, a test, and our response to that is also tested. Not that God goes, okay, I'm done with him. If you have the same trials or the appearance of the same trials over and over in your life, it could be that God's trying to do something in that specific area of your life. Might be a trust issue. Um, could be any type of issue that you have going on in your life. God's testing it and he's looking. And this, this word, uh, pistis, is faith. Here it is. I drew a circle around it. I put a heart next to it. I, I guess I do that because so I won't miss it. This is what I wrote on my little... People look at my sermons and they go, how do you even preach that? Well, What you believe about God and Christ will be apparent to him through a trial. It's not in the sunshine where we're praising him all the time. It's in the midst of the trial. So what you believe, what you really believe, and what I really believe about God comes out when we're confronted with a trial. And God says, I want to use this trial to make you more reliant on me. I want to use this trial to make you more dependent on me. I want to use this trial to, to grow you in this particular area of your life. So that you become strong. Where you're not blown over by any little trial that comes along. Very, very difficult. Produce steadfastness. Being able to endure something. Uh, Thomas Lee wrote it this way. Steadfastness suggests endurance or stamina. It does not refer merely to ability to hold back the discouraging results of a bad temper or remorseful self-pity. It also includes sustained power that believers can have because they trust their God. I think trials really reveal who we trust at some level. Tested faith becomes spiritually tough and rugged. Do you know how you, you get through life and you work out, you get stronger. When you first start out, not so much. But as you work out and you push up and you sit up and you do those things, you get stronger, not weaker. As these trials come along, we have a golden opportunity to say, okay, God's trying to do something in my life. 
And through this trial, I know God is working. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, it's not difficult. It is. That's why he called them trials. But it's, I'm going to trust God because I know that he's going to use this to grow me in a greater understanding of him. What you believe about God will be apparent to God through the trials. Your faith is being examined. And also, I would say God knows what you need better than what we know we need. Right? And I get it. We all praise God when the trial's over. We all praise God. God is good. God is good some of the time. When things are right, that's weak Christianity. Tough Christianity is when those trials come and you navigate them knowing that God ultimately has a purpose and a plan. Telling you, that is such a game changer. That is such a game changer. It, so this week, if something happens to you, think back to loudmouth Pastor Mike screaming at us. Go back and just say, wait a minute. I know what this is, God. I'm going to trust you. This looks bad. But I'm going to trust you because I know you're doing something through this trial. Not, oh my gosh, I can't do this. You're horrible. That's what, that's what Satan wants. God wants us to get, and the trial will not end, most of the time will not end, until God's work is finished in that particular area of your life. Speaking as a long-time failure at learning these things, every once in a while I get it, that this is what God is doing. The ultimate purpose, not only endurance, the testing is not only for endurance, but the testing is for maturity. And let steadfastness have its full effect. In other words, when you're in there, God's trying to do something, and the purpose of that trial that you fell into is that God is trying to make you mature in your walk with him. If there is ever a day that we need tough soldiers, it's today. And God is wanting to do a work in your life. And this word, let steadfastness have its effect, is the same word we've heard before, ergon, which is a work. It's a workmanship. Trials shape us in ways that we cannot shape ourselves. Years ago, in the 1500s, 1503 to be exact, Leonardo da Vinci created a masterpiece. It was during the Renaissance period. He created a masterpiece 
And the masterpiece was the Mona Lisa. In fact, I read an article this week. It's one of the top five recognizable pictures in the world and probably the most recognizable. It's in France at the Louvre. And I've actually stood right there and looked at that picture. Of course, they had security there. You couldn't take flash pictures. I actually have it in my stuff. And it's not called the Louvre, which I thought it was, but it's the Louvre. It is one of the most recognizable pictures. Now, at the time that I was there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote this, the painting itself by Leonardo da Vinci back then was worth $850 million. You ready for the value today? We, we couldn't put our money together and buy it. $2.67 billion is what the painting's worth. Can you imagine insuring that? That could be why you have to pay $100 or so to get into the Louvre. That's a masterpiece. And guess what? You're a masterpiece. You. This Aragon applies to you. You are a masterpiece of God. And you are worth so much. So much. That Jesus went to the cross to pay for you in full. And from that relationship comes the ability to talk to God as we go through trials and hardships in our lives. And as we live our life, we just keep singing praises to God even in the darkest hour. Paul and Silas in jail, praising God in the midnight hour. Be more like that. When a trial comes this week, sing a song. Sing a song that you like. Not like raindrops keep falling on my head, but. <laughs> sing a song. Praise him. Praise him because you know, you know from here today when you leave, you know when you leave here, and I've said it at least three times, that God is doing something in that trial, and when that trial is finished, you're going to start looking buff. Spiritually. And let steadfastness have its full effect. No pain, no gain. That you may be perfect. Look at what James writes. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I've enjoyed this sermon so much. It's lived with it. The goal of trials. First of all, perfect. The word means mature adult. Not, oh, I want my salvation. I'm not going to do this. No. Trials come so that you can grow up in your faith and be mature. That's not a trial. 
That's a speed bump. And I, I bet you, as you've grown in your Christian life and you've seen trials in your life, you know that's true. <laughs> the funny thing here is that as we learn these trials, the trials may get bigger. But you know what? God's doing that so that we grow stronger. And I, I reminisced about my life and thought about all the trials that I've gone through, at least the ones, the big ones that I remembered. And I look back now and I go, it wasn't so big. And it doesn't mean I'm perfect and I've reached maturity, but at least I'm a teenager. Perfect, mature adult. John MacArthur talked about the state of the church in a lecture he did for his uh, college. And he says, when he was coming up through the ranks, they had children's church. And he compared that to what's happening in churches today. And he said, basically what we have with the music and the preaching is children's church and grown-up church. I'm all for that. And I think he's right. This isn't about a rock concert. This is about, and it's not about fluffy, feel-good stuff. And it's happening in pulpits all over our area. Be the best you. God wants us mature. He wants us to grow in our faith, in our walk with him. Secondly, complete, fully developed. I thought about an, em an embryo this week and how the embryo starts small and it begins to grow and it becomes a person. And then the mother gives birth. It's fully complete. It's mature. Uh, it's fully developed. God wants us fully developed. And by the way, we need each other desperately. You need me. You may not think you need me, but you need me. And I need you. And you know why? We have to cheer each other on. You can do it. Keep going. We need each other. Fully developed. Lacking nothing, possessing everything, or not falling short. Literal translation. When God tests us, he knows what's there. And then God has a plan to get us to where he wants us to be. And that is through the fires of trials 